And now, New Galaxy Enterprises proudly presents Threshold Radio. This is Johnny Blue Star. Welcome to Threshold, a global media event. Is the universe just a random dance of atoms, or is it a manifestation of a supremely intelligent architect? Can its purpose, or our purpose here on Earth, be adequately assessed? Can we commune with it, know its intentions, cooperate with its direction? Here, we define threshold as a gateway state of awareness, allowing mankind to cross into a place of real cognition. Threshold allows us to approach questions of higher reality through the door of experience rather than mere belief. Welcome to Threshold, where we tear away the veil from commercial media, bringing our audience and participants into another realm of reality and enhanced communication. Have you had a longing to create an original book, screenplay, or other media project, but neither had the time nor expertise to do it? I'm Johnny Bluestar, and I founded New Galaxy Enterprises to help ambitious, busy, but highly creative people fulfill their goals to create poignant media projects. If you need help to accomplish your goals, visit NewGalaxyEnterprises.com or contact me at JohnnyBlueStar at gmail.com. Turn your vision into a dazzling media reality. Manifest your media dream today. This is Johnny Blue Star. Welcome to Threshold Radio. In our recent very volatile dealings with Russia, the ordinary American is subject to a lot of contentions from anonymous sources, some of which have affected our recent sanctions. For instance, very much so in respect of electioneering and somewhat in relation to the Federation's occupation and annexation of Crimea. As explored in the circuitous and almost impossible path to the truth, I realized that certain aspects of this would probably be ultimately unknowable, at least by me. But recently there have been certain reports by, among others, retired American intelligence officers that questioned the alleged hacking of the Podesta emails by the Russians, which was one of the main claims about Russia's interfering in our elections. Concerned about this and having reflected about America's constantly being offered mainstream media reports on Russia, often using the term adversary, I wondered about the value or reality of that term, but also wondered about how Russians looked at the United States and what their lives were really like at home. In the following interview, conducted a few days ago, some of the answers were a bit surprising, but I could not help but think how much their lives were like ours. Hi, welcome to Threshold Radio. I have with me some very interesting guests. All of them right now are in Moscow, and... uh, I would like them each to introduce themselves to us. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Julia, and uh, in a Russian way, this name sounds like Yulia. I am um, a freelance writer. I live in Moscow, and I'm 29 years old. Uh, hi, I'm Michael, or in Russian, Mikhail. Uh, I'm a software developer manager, development manager in IT company. And uh, your name is Zina, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. My name is Zina, or Zinaida. I'm 24, and uh, I'm a teacher at the university, and I also translate from time to time. Well, Michael and uh, Zina, you're both married, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Uh, let's let's talk about where you are in Moscow. Like, what what part of Moscow are you in? Right now, uh, 
it's not exactly the downtown, you know, or even the city. It is a little place near near the city, near Moscow, which is called Zhelezhnodorozhne. Uh, it's uh, several kilometers. So Ten kilometers from Moscow. Ten kilometers from Moscow, but uh, normally we say that we live in Moscow because all of us work in Moscow, and every day we go to work by trains, you know. And these guys right now, they're um, at my own apartment. And um, uh, thanks for coming. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, do I, do, do you, so you guys don't usually take cars to work and stuff, right? Because it's better to take uh, public transportation. Is that right? Uh, Misha is a driver, actually. I'm, I'm a driver. I prefer to drive if uh, it's uh, usually it is faster and uh, more convenient. Uh, but uh, sometimes uh, I prefer to use uh, public transportation because of jams and uh, sometimes it's much much more fast faster than uh, driving. Okay. I should say that Michael works from home, so he doesn't need to go to well, work every day. Oh, I see. I take uh, metro, the underground, so it's faster and yeah. cheaper. And but well, you guys, they only mm-hmm. live in Moscow, you see. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Now we are at my apartment, which is 10 kilometers away from Moscow, but guys, they live in Moscow directly. Well, you know, when I lived in New York, it was mm-hmm. very inconvenient to have a car. <laughs> so, so, so people would have a car and they might go out of New York, but a lot of them, even if they had a car, they would use public transportation. Is it like that inside downtown Moscow? Or yeah. are they, do they yeah. use a lot of public transportation? I have to say it uh, much depends on the situation, on the purposes, people's purposes, and uh, their own tasks. But, uh, because uh, some ways you are more, they are more convenient to use public transportation if there some direct uh, train or direct uh, subway. And uh, some locations are much more easier to get by car because uh, there are some you, you must, uh, for example, uh, do three or four changes from one uh, kind of uh, transport uh, to another to get there and uh, sometimes it's uh, half an, just a half an hour to get there by car would you say that transportation in and around moscow is fairly easy very easy or kind of difficult or very difficult Uh, It is very difficult if we are talking about uh, the... Downtown? Yeah, I'm talking about downtown, yeah, right in the heart of Moscow. We are talking, uh, uh, it's very hard if we are talking about uh, gems that uh, appear in uh, rush hours and uh, it's uh, just normal or... Much more easier to travel by car in uh, the rest of the time, uh, excluding <laughs> Friday, uh, summer Fridays, uh, evenings or Saturdays, uh, mornings where people go to Dacha. <laughs> Do you know what Dacha is, Johnny? Do you know uh, what? No, no, what is Dacha? Although it sounds familiar, I don't know. It's a kind of a countryside house that, uh, you usually visit uh, in summer, 
so you can have a rest or you can work there or, <laughs> or, you, can, or you can plant your own garden consisting yeah. of uh, tomatoes and cucumbers and potatoes yes <laughs> or well everyone uses it differently now but people used to plant there a lot of different useful plants for survival just kidding <laughs> Okay. You know, we all have to have a B plan, you know, because <laughs> here in Russia, here in Russia, you never know what's gonna happen next day. So if you have a little garden full of tomatoes, it's good for you. But we don't have tomatoes at all, Dutch. Just well, flowers. Well, well, I under I understand that my friend in Moscow told me that you guys don't have many organic vegetables. I'm talking about in the supermarkets and stuff. Yeah. Is, is that yeah. true? Yes. That's true. That's absolutely true. Yes. Well, it's the situation with uh, organic food is better now, and is, it is becoming just, better. But just becoming evolving. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's just starting, uh, and it's quite um, expensive. But mm-hmm. uh, I think it is better today. What, what about GM, what about GMOs, genetically modified products? Do you have GMOs, or are you? Is it banned? Or? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's let's put it in this way. Yes, we have. Uh, <laughs> you have them, okay. Yeah. If, okay. if you believe in it, you, you have it. If you don't, you just yeah. don't think about it. You just try you just, to avoid, you know, the negative thoughts. Actually. So yes, what? Well. So what do you think? So honestly, your opinion about GMOs? Do you like the idea, or how do you feel about them personally? As for me, I think that actually this is something that uh, all of us should avoid, but I'm not sure how much of the products that we consume are, you know, GMO-made. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I I do. I think in our case, many, many things are genetically modified. And, you know, when you have uh, processed food, a lot of that is is in processed food too. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's it's pretty much... uh, not protected. In other words, in this country, you can uh, mm-hmm. you can have organic food and it'll be labeled, but you really don't know what's been going on with regular products. There isn't really the controls that a mm-hmm. lot of us think that there should be. But do you have a lot of organic food back home? It's, it's expensive. Yes, we we eat. I would say that we eat one third organic products, and some things we don't. And it's it's not convenient to get it all, always. Mm-hmm. I actually, at one point, I was having some of it sent to us from, uh, there was a, a a place that deals with local farms, but they wasn't completely, G- it was probably GMO free, but it wasn't necessarily what you call organic because it's expensive for farmers to become organic in this country. So a lot of these little farmers don't, even if they are basically uh, dealing with organic food. So now... Let's talk about food. I know this is ridiculous, but uh, uh, you see, I I, I don't really understand or know what the Russian... Incidentally, I am half Russian by descent, but I've never... My my grandparents never really spoke Russian uh, in front of me. Um, uh, They spoke... One of my grandparents was born here, my grandmother, but her parents were Russian. My other grandfather came here directly from Russia during the time of the pogroms. He was mm-hmm. Jewish, and uh, he, they were persecuted, and they, he came here, and uh, w- w- my grandfather came here with his father, who was a Talmudic scholar. I don't know if you know what that means, but uh, when he came here, I guess a czar's horse had kicked his brother in the head, 
and and I guess it was part of the maybe persecution or something, and they decided to come here, and they did. My grandfather worked as a uh, sold apples on the street, became a messenger for a stock exchange, and uh, he actually became a senior partner from a, from being the lowest level office you know messenger boy. And that's success. Uh, great. Sounds great. It was pretty extraordinary what he did. I used to go to Wall Street, and he he, he was bald, and you could see his little bald head running around the <laughs> sell, buying and selling stocks. So yeah, I am I'm half Russian in, uh, by descent in some way, maybe not half, but you know. Uh, so mm -hmm. I always have an interest in it. This is Johnny Blue Star, CEO of New Galaxy Enterprises, a media content development company. If you need an article for the web, for a magazine or a newspaper, I have wide experience in researching and developing articles on numerous types of topics, including articles for a newsletter I developed in the barter industry and another for a commercial spacecraft. I've acted as a reporter and advertising consultant for various newspapers in Tulsa and Palm Springs, but also developed the first comprehensive internet newspaper for Coachella Valley, California. To learn more about New Galaxy, see samples of our work, or talk to us about your project, please go to www.newgalaxyenterprises.com and fill out the contact form. And now, Patty Greer's Are You the One? Tell me about your food. What do you eat? <laughs> right now, uh, right now we are drinking tea, right? And mm. I have cooked um, compote. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are not sure about the uh, correct word, but I'm not sure what compote is. Uh, uh, it's kind of uh, boiled fruits and um, uh, berries. Uh -huh. um, berries, so the, the, yeah, one, you, one, you boil the fruits and berries and uh, different stuff. So it's, it's a mixture. So it's a mixture of uh, boiled. It's like fruits. juice. It's it's like juice. It's like juice. Not something but, but like it's, that. But it's warm, right? It's warm. It's warm. It depends on your situation. <laughs> I mean, if you want to to keep it warm, you you could keep it warm right on this. 
dog. But, but, yes, uh, I think most of people like it cold. But the most of people, Misha so, says, like it cold. So, you, bo- like it. so you boil it first, and then you uh, then you season it at all, or do you put any uh, put sugar yeah. on it, or you just yeah, but uh, in this particular compote, I didn't put any sugar. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Now, I have to tell you, I've never eaten it. You've never eaten it. it I, you know, it's not supposed to be eaten. It's supposed to be drunk, I guess, you know. <laughs> I've, never dr- I've never drunk a fruit that's boiled, I don't think. But I, I <laughs> that sounds weird, that's, but that's it is right. tasty. It is quite tasty if it is cooked yeah. Well, I'll have, to, I'll have to try it. Send some over. <laughs> well, I, I'd like to know, like, um, what what is the relationship between coffee and tea? Which is the preferred uh, drink? You know, I think in Moscow now, our coffee is very popular. Yes, it's a trend. Um, it is a trend, but um, so to speak, traditionally, <laughs> we usually have tea. When we visit Gather. someone or when Gather we just gather together, yeah, and uh, talk, so we. But have coffee, to be. coffee is pretty expensive here in Moscow. So if you want to, if you want to buy a coffee to go, you a should good a good coffee to go. You 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 have to pay. You have to be prepared to pay a lot for it. Well, one of the things that's happening in our country is a tremendous amount of obesity, uh, also diabetes, things like that, and a lot of. People attribute this to too much sugar. I'm talking mm-hmm. about refined sugar, particularly white sugar, brown sugar, this type of thing. Is that considered a problem? I mean, for you guys, do you guys are you guys aware of uh, conscious of how much sugar you take, or how, how do you look at it? I've never thought about the sugar in my blood, but you know, what about you? Well, I have not very good uh, medical story of my family, so I have checked. I did check. You're concerned about diabetic possibilities, diabetes, or, or yeah, but um, I'm not taking too much sugar, so it is all right now. So I think it's fine. See, oh. in, in our country, if you go to a supermarket and you look at all the soups and the everything, I mean, pasta sauce and everything, it's all got sugar dumped into it, and it also has a lot of high fructose syrup. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, many of the people who are sort of holistic practitioners, they they feel uh, that it's dangerous, this stuff. In in a supermarket, often the produce is on one side, uh, and then then you have all these shelves, right, with all these these canned goods. And so if you go eat in the... um, you know, the canned goods, they all have the fructose and the sugar. If you go on the other side, you, they all are modified, you know, genetically modified. They have preservatives. They have pesticides. If you go to yeah. where the meat is, the meat has hormones. It's got, it's got antibiotic traces. It's got all this stuff in it. And so uh, this is an ordinary supermarket. So, of course, the, there is organic produce and some organic meats, but they're tremendously expensive. So you have, you have this real tension. Because this food, in uh, in many people's opinion, is making us sick. And, um, you know, I have a physician named Dr. Rodier who uh, comes on my show regularly, who's an integrative medicine. He, he basically, he's an MD, regular doctor, but he believes that food is, the old statement that food is medicine. And so he tries to get people on the right diet because the diet is so important here because of all the other the problems. Then the other problem is pharmaceutical products. Most of these doctors here 
are very oriented towards pharmaceuticals. How is it there? When you go to a doctor, are they going to always ask you to take pharmaceutical products? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, yeah. pres prescription uh, yeah. pharmaceuticals. You see, the, the system here in Russia is a little bit dif different because, you see, if you want to get uh, medicine in the USA, as far as I know, you need to have a prescription. Is it correct? A lot of medicines. Not every, There are other things called over-the-counter medicines, and you don't need a prescription for them. But when people go to doctors, they get prescriptions. But here in Russia, you, you see, we can buy a lot of things, I guess, right? Yeah, there are quite... Not very many products that are cannot afford uh, that, right? that should be bought important, just important. Uh, with the prescription. Yeah. Uh -huh. So doctors, they just give you the prescription. And, uh, the next step is just up to you. You decide if you want to buy this medicine or not. You check it out. Uh, you can buy a substitute. You can buy yeah, a but substitute. Now they have to write not the name of the product, uh, but the name of the well, active uh, components. Yeah, the active yeah, ingredients, yeah. I see. So, so in other words, you see, in our country, I don't know if you know this, uh, but it's a big debate. We pay twice as much as probably anywhere in the world for our for prescription drugs. And uh, for a long time, and I don't think it's been resolved, uh, people would, would buy things in Canada. But right now, it's illegal. Oh, wow. so, so these pharmaceutical companies are just... And our government, which we have Medicare, which is for certain people, um, older people, and so and Medicaid, which is sort of like that for the states. They refu they have passed laws that don't let Medicare and Medicaid negotiate for these prices. So the prices can be maintained very high by these pharmaceutical companies. Let's talk about the general nature of healthcare there in in Russia. Tell us okay. about it. Okay. As far as I understand it, I could explain it like this. So there is a system provided by the government, by the state, that allows us to use, to ask for medical help whenever we need it. And basically... Uh, medical help. Absolutely right. So you can, well, in fact, well, in theory... Well, uh, you can get the help for free, and um, you actually get the help for free. But uh, the other question is, what kind of help is that? Is it, uh, what's the quality? What's the quality of this help? Is it good enough? And on the other side, we have private medical centers we could go to, but uh, of course we have to pay some money. And uh, the question here is whether is uh, the help of these medical centers good enough for the payment that we made? You see what I'm talking about? Does the ordinary person, like uh, say a, a, what I would call a middle class person, person who makes a, a decent living, can wait, raise children, and, and has maybe has a home and so yep. forth, can that person, is that person stretched when he goes to a, is it difficult for him financially or hard to go to a uh, private medical uh, center? Are the prices yep. that high or are they not? You know, the middle class is a very interesting term because I see, I think that, uh, I don't know, there are very diff diff different situations here. So in Moscow, we have the range of payments that differs too much from the range of payments, uh, for example, in the regions. So what is the middle class for us is different uh, for the people from other cities it, and towns. It differs from region, one region to another, and uh, Moscow differs from its suburbs. So, yes. uh, so it's more expensive in Moscow? 
and uh, mm-hmm. the salaries are higher. The yes. salaries are much higher, and that's how a lot of people can afford quite good medicine. But uh, I've lived uh, in another city for quite a long time, and I know that uh, you see what you call uh, middle-class people, they just get uh, the state program services, and they are not very good. So so basically, it's it's more for, in general, throughout Russia, it's more for people who are who have a good make a good living, right? It's right. not it's not for the average middle class person throughout the all the regions. Is that right? If you get you see the situation is this. If you get sick, for example, seriously sick, uh uh you can find help uh, from the um fund благотворительный um, from the charity funds from the charity funds from the charity people, you know, from the charity Oh, oh so you can go to a you can go to a charity hospital, a hospital run by a charity, I mean. In no, a hospital, not a hospital, but the fund. So you can call people, hi, I'm sick, or my uh, child is sick, and we need money, so, so if, please. If we are talking about some serious uh, disease. Yes, and the, you could also start the uh, campaigns through the uh, social networks, try to ask people for help, to, you know, to donate. Is that done but, a lot? Is that done a lot? I mean, for medical purposes, using uh, <clears throat> crowdfunding? Uh, you see, uh, sometimes uh, it's the only it's the only way that uh, no there option. is the, on, the only option that there is. It, it doesn't mean that uh, all these situations, you know, have the happy endings. It's just uh, for some people, it's really really hard to afford uh, expensive medical care. They just no, you know, once you get sick, you have to, you start fighting. You start fighting even even more than before. Uh, you know, I want to ask. <clears throat> Zena, Michael, a question because I asked you before and we talked about it already. I I want to know, Michael, first of all, if you were rating the United States healthcare from what you know, just what you've heard on television or movies or or talking to people or reading anything, uh, on the highest level of five, one, two, three, four, five, and the lowest level of one, how would you, what do you think of the United States system? How would you rate it? Uh, you mean uh, United Systems healthcare system? Healthcare system, yes. I'm just talking about that. It's hard, uh, quite hard question because uh, I know there, uh, that the quality of the United States system healthcare system is very high, but uh, I know also that it is very uh, expensive and uh, not much people, um, not all people can afford uh, the medical insurance in the United States. So you're aware you're aware that there are many people in the United States who are uninsured or are quite poor uh, and yeah. in terms of being able to afford what you yeah. call premium health care. You know, doctors yeah. here will charge like $100, $150 a visit sometimes. Well, first of all, I want to ask, how, how do you feel, Zena? Do you feel the same way? Was that, that what, what Michael said? Were you aware of that? Yeah. Yeah, that only rich people can... Yeah, yeah. So did you get that information from newspapers or from the internet? How did you get that information about the healthcare system? Friends uh, live in the United States. So and uh, as I work with uh, the language, with the English language, I oh okay contacts (laughs) different sources. If you could, Michael and uh, Zena and Julia, uh, how would you compare? The two uh, is one better than the other, or they both have you know similar problems in a different, a little bit different though. I think 
think it's very different. Uh, the the two of them are, yeah, uh, it is really difficult to compare because, uh, uh, you know, I can't say that all the Russians are um, pleased with the, uh, the healthcare system here, uh, but there are quite a lot of advantages. You can be, you can be treated for free. But speaking about the United States, I think it is, you should live there to analyze the situation. Yeah, I, I know for sure that it's extremely dangerous for many people because I've had problems myself in the past with my wife. She got sick, we didn't have insurance, and it was a nightmare. And she got help, but that's only because a relative helped us at the time. So it was a very, very strange situation. And, uh, and, and the diagnosis that we got you know, at the hospital was mm-hmm. was basically wrong. Uh, eventually, they found out what was wrong, and it was pretty serious. So, I, so anyway, what I'm saying is that, and we weren't doing as badly as a lot of these other people. So it, it's a real serious problem, except for those, you know, there are, there are people in this country. Our last our last uh, bill that that um, that the Republicans had. It, it raised from 22 million people who were not going to get insurance at, at before to 30 million people. Can you oh, imagine that? What that's like? So 30 one, million people. 30 million. People. One, one third of uh, population, if I'm right. One no, third of the population. No, I think our population is a little bigger than that now. I'm not, sh- I'm not sure exactly what it is. 200 million, or I, I'm not sure, but no, it wasn't a third. But it was it was a lot of people. I mean, think about it. <laughs> Just look at Moscow and, and divide you know divide it up into little sections of five. Maybe it's a fifth of Moscow. I don't know. Oh, it's a whole Moscow for a population. Oh, for 30 million, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So look at all those people, <laughs> and they're not insured, and they have families. You know, it, it's very troubling to many of us, but it isn't to a lot of these people. You know, who are in charge of the government. In Ken Ede's book, The Involuntary Spy, Seth Rogen, a scientist, after having discovered a major deception created by a multi-billion dollar worldwide agribusiness giant that he works for, is driven by his conscience to release the information to the public at the peril of his reputation, career, and life itself. To do this, he must take refuge in Moscow. Here is an excerpt. Chapter 4 Yuri helped Seth settle into the safe house in Moscow. Tomorrow night, he would take the nine-hour flight to the Far East. From the apartment, he could see the colorful and distinctive towers of St. Basil's Cathedral from his window, and the glittering gold onion domes of the Church of Annunciation in the Kremlin. This was the Kremlin he had seen so many times on television. Back then, during the Cold War, it had represented the seat of the Empire of Evil. Now, it was oddly beautiful. The American press was already doing damage control on Seth's report to Russia today. The president called it propaganda, and said that the United States was against the manufacture of biological weapons. Spokesmen from the company said that Seth's report to RT should be disregarded as the words of a traitor and a thief. Because of his fleeing the country, Seth's story was discredited in every mainstream media report. Okay, your name now is George Amers, said Yuri, smiling, holding out documents. Here is new passport. I'm Canadian? Yes. Does that mean I have to say A all the time? 
Seth, Russians don't care what you say. But don't talk to people. Don't talk to people. And don't go anywhere. Just to work and back home. Sounds boring. Isn't that what you guys do in America anyway? Well, yeah. Okay. Don't make friends. If you want a girl, we get you a girl. That sucks. Look, it's only for six months. Then you can do what you want. If you see anything suspicious, call me. Six months, eh? Yes, six months. Oh, and shave mustache and color hair. What? You prefer shave head and color mustache? No, no, that's okay. I'll take the hair color. And we fix nose. What's wrong with my nose? Nose too big. It's not. We fix anyway. Okay, let me see if I've got it. Don't go anywhere. Don't make friends. Sleep with prostitutes that you send to me and wear a disguise. Yes, you are smart. Don't forget to use lenses I gave you for eyes. And what? Lose some weight. Seth worked on his disguise with the materials Yuri had left in the safe house. He said a fond farewell to the mustache that had been with him since high school and picked a dark brown color to mask his light brown hair. With the contacts in, his eyes changed from green to brown. He didn't even recognize himself. The surface disguise was the easy part. Being George Amers would be the true disguise to master. See, people think here, and I don't know how they think, this is a good question. A lot of people think here that people who are wealthy, if they're given tax breaks, will be able to um, use that money to get people jobs. So, as an example, in the latest health bill that they, they had offered, which was rejected, they were taking $80 billion out of the um, money that was given to Medicaid, which is sort of like the state Medicare. It was like, you know, sort of free, uh, well, very, very small amount of money to pay for, Medi- for Medicaid. Taking that $80 billion that people use throughout this country and get, putting it into tax breaks for the wealthiest people in, the, in, the, in this country. Yes. $80 billion. That's, and the, uh, what I've noticed, and this is where my question is, that there's something in the United States that we call trickle-down, a trickle-down theory of the economy, which means that if you give people money you know, at the top, they're going to use it to get jobs for people. Do you have anything like that? Do, you, uh, is there a, like a, do a lot of people think that giving tax break, breaks to the wealthy are, is a good thing because it'll get, get more jobs? Uh, you know, we are not quite familiar with the concept, so I guess it's a little bit hard to, to say. Mm-hmm. But is it, uh, Are we talking about uh, progressive taxes for the rich people? Uh, we're talking about non-progressive tax. We're talking about very high, uh, very. big tax cuts so they don't have to pay as much taxes. Uh, mm. uh, it used to be the opposite. It used to be that if they got into the millions of dollars, they would pay, they would get about, I don't remember what it is, but like less than 25%. And the rest of it would go to taxes. Now, of course, these taxes pay for things like medical benefits for people. But in uh, the current administration, they're they're taking it away from people. They're trying to, Obamacare helped a lot of people and it didn't help other people. But they, they, they've tried to close Obamacare down and not change it. Now, they're, they're, they're stuck 
because a lot of people didn't accept it. We have town hall meetings with senators and people in the House of Representatives. That's our Congress. And they, um, they would scream literally at these people who were representing them because they, they were taking away their health care. And that's, mm-hmm. a, that's how a lot of people feel in this country. But a lot of people, on the other hand, they think, oh, it's okay because if we give uh, these tax breaks to these, these billionaires then, uh, and, and you know, very wealthy families, they're going to get us more jobs and we'll be, we'll be fine, which doesn't appear to be maybe quite accurate. You know, Johnny, the tax system here in Russia is very, very different. So I think the attitude of the people to the uh, taxes uh, is also a little bit different. As far as I know, you guys get your money, then you have to, you know, you have to um, take the the part yeah. from the from this money and give it away, right, by yourself. Give it back. Give it back. Yeah, and it's very complicated. It takes me forty hours or Seriously. more to just do my bookkeeping. Uh, but you see, you if you have an official job, there is a boss and uh, there are some people that do that for you. That's how we have a little bit different attitude. Um, for th- we don't care about our taxes, unfortunately, as much as much as you guys do. Well, well, actually, I'm a small business. I'm I'm a corporation, or I have a corporation. But uh, if I was working for someone. Oh, it would be much easier. Yeah, I mean, they they do take taxes out, and mm-hmm. then uh, there may be an adjustment at the end of the year. They'll give you money back, or they'll they'll ask for some money. But they there are W two forms. You fill it out. It's pretty simple for those people who are, who have jobs. But for mm-hmm. business people, it's a nightmare. You see, this is a different topic for a conversation because you see, uh, there are very special conditions here in Russia for business people. Mm-hmm. See, people say that sometimes it's very hard to build the business here due to Not the very sometimes. <laughs> Not sometimes. Yes, it's very hard. If you want to start your own business, you gotta, you know, you have to be very, very. What's the word? You have to know how it works here, you know, in, uh, and it's not only uh, up to what kind of a person you are, honest or dishonest, either you want to pay or you don't want to pay. You just have to know how it works, how the whole system well, works. Well, it's, da- it's very dangerous to ha- start a small business here, too. I mean, I've managed to last for a long time, but many businesses fold after the first three years. I mean, it's just extremely difficult, and it's the same thing here. You have to know what you're doing. And uh, mm-hmm. it's not just knowing how to make a chair or, you know, build a chair or whatever. It's knowing how to sell the chair. Mm-hmm. It's knowing what your competition is. I mean, it's rough. And I imagine it might be even, I mean, I don't know how it's evolved since the Soviet Union fell. But before that, it was a, a different story altogether, right? Uh, you see, I'm not sure. Did we have a sort of you know, business people during the Soviet times. Well, not officially. (laughs) Not not officially and not a larger period of time. It's about a few years. uh, You see, those people, they were prosecuted by law when they had the sort of business during the Soviet times. Private business. (laughs) Yeah, it was all, it was underground. As, as I think it was in a lot of communist countries, you know, I mean, people, even China, you know, now China is a little bit freer, but uh, people have a natural desire to, you know, pursue their dream. And uh, the Soviet Union was kind of crushing that dream. 
But then when you leave the Soviet, when you, the Soviet Union left, like in our country, there's probably a lot of corruption, a lot of business that isn't really so great. Uh, it's illegal, but it's, uh, you know what I mean? People, is that, do you consider that true? I mean, is there a, a lot of corruption in business? Yes, absolutely. That's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how we that's how we think too, uh, and particularly these large corporations. Uh, they they're given su such tremendous tax advantages. They actually give money to oil companies, the most successful companies in, in the world. They actually give them a certain not just tax breaks. They sort of fund them. You know, they give them special uh, extra money to, to do research and stuff when they making more money than anybody else. So that's another kind of corruption that's sort of legal corruption where you're over you're you're over you're taking your larger companies and you're giving them tremendously more advantages. So uh, let's get into us uh, a little bit of more serious stuff here. What do you guys think about North Korea? Korea. Is it a bad Korea or a good Korea? Yeah. <laughs> Nuclear Korea. <laughs> you see, I don't know nothing about Koreas, you know. <laughs> I, I just know that uh, they bought a uh, very old uh, Soviet... Uh, <laughs> Rock. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 you, you guys are, uh, maybe you don't really want to talk about it too much. Um, actually, I think we just don't think too much about it. I mean, in our, in our country, some of us are really terrified. I mean, uh, because in a few days, this little country is saying they're going to send four, four intercontinental missiles around the island of Guam, which is, uh, there's 160,000 people on that island and their various military bases and um it's not clear to me because they're saying i'm going to send we're going to make, create a ring of fire around guam that's what they they're saying but we're threatening them with some very serious stuff i don't mean i'm threatening them because i wouldn't do it that way but uh that's what's happening and so the uh the results of that if something happens in North Korea or to North Korea, it could mm. be very dangerous for other countries too, uh, particularly South Korea. Yeah, so it could be for us uh, too, but we are not uh, just uh, well informed about uh, the, some kind of uh, crisis you are talking about. Uh, we didn't hear about it. You know, you can find it on net, but uh, you, 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 you're not aware of what's going on. I mean, you're not. That's not like headlines. That isn't like. In the news all the time? No? See, oh. we don't have to. Well, uh, <laughs> there is no television in my apartment. And uh, no, in ours, too. we don't watch television actually. Is that because you don't want to, or you, it's expensive, yeah. or why? Not it's because it's expensive. expensive. It's just because uh, the television, you know, it's not um, interesting. Uh, the, no. I actually watch. I watch television on my computer. I, I, I mean, I get channels on my computer. I don't actually watch television exactly, and I don't watch it very much anyway. It's just, just for some of the news. But the mo news that we get, I do not, the, what they call mainstream news, I don't feel very confident in it. I, I, I look at a lot of alternative news. But North Korea is the biggest thing on everybody's mind here because mm -hmm. of the dangers of a nuclear war in, in North Korea particularly. And you don't know, you, you're not really aware of that? Uh, mm -hmm. Honestly speaking, 
Um, I'm not personally. I mean, yeah, I don't... We are not also because our news sources uh, just uh, don't touch this topic. Yes, oh, yeah. we have. Wow. You see, we just checked uh, our websites, our <laughs> news websites, and we see nothing on them. <laughs> yeah, where to? Well, uh, we have we have threatened them with fire and fury, more powerful than anything that they've ever seen. In, in, that's what, it, what has happened recently, not just once, but three or four times, that if they attack Guam, they have been threatened with some very serious things. not quite informed uh, on the topic, you see. And, and in our country, a lot of people have, in, in government, uh, and senators and so forth, have complained about the rhetoric that we've been using. Mm. Well, I, I just feel like uh, that's that's very interesting. What about the sanctions against Russia for the so-called election tampering? Well, how do you feel about that for uh, Crimea and for yeah. and for tampering or meddling or getting involved in our elections? Yeah, what do you think about it? You see, it's very interesting because uh, I was born in Crimea. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, really. And uh, you see Crimea... In the, in the Soviet Union. <laughs> Let's speak, not... uh, speak uh, the whole... Like, give the whole... Uh, oh, you mean, you mean Crimea was part of the Soviet Union with Russia? Right. No, with okay. Ukraine. It was a part of the Soviet <laughs> Union, with Ukraine, when I was born. Yeah. Ukraine, uh, Republic, Ukrainian Republic in the Soviet Union. Soviet Union. But you say it was a part of a part. Uh, Ukraine was a part of the Soviet Union right. and Crimea part of Ukraine. Yes, I understand that. I, I do. Yes, go ahead. To be a part of Russia, but okay. Okay, okay. okay. It's, it's difficult. It's very complicated, yeah. history. Yeah, yeah. So, so the situation in Crimea was always interesting. It was always, you see, a mixture of different nations, of Tatars, of Ukrainians, of people from Greece, of Russians. And uh, we were international, and um, you see, it's very, very funny when they try to tell you what you are, a Crimean, I mean, a Russian person or a Ukrainian person. Crimea was always a very interesting spot. Uh, it was an autonomic uh, state, autonomic. autonomic. Oh, oh yes, I see, I see. So it, it had its own independent national identity. Right, right, absolutely. Right. So when they started this all, it was quite a peculiar situation for me, you see. I don't know what to think about it. I still love Crimea, I love the Black Sea, I love the mountains, and I miss my home, I just miss the nature, and nothing's going to change the fact that I'm going to miss this land, you see. And uh, whatever the rulers are, the Russians or the Ukrainians, I will always feel the same. <laughs> well, but you can, but you can go there, right? It's easy for you to go there, right? Because it's ruled uh, by Russia now, right? That's a very interesting question. You see, a couple of years ago, when there was no war, we could go there by car. When I was younger, I went there by car with my parents. We crossed two countries: Ukraine, Ukraine, and Russia, just to get there. But now we can't do that because it's a little bit dangerous, and we should. No, no, no. You can go there by car, but you have to wait for a courier uh, to the ship. Ah, yeah, you see, uh, yeah, yeah, these days we have another, Michael is saying that nowadays we can go there by car, but the road became longer because we have to use, uh, you know, the other Russian road. Oh, so I see. 
ferry. We have to use the ferry to get to the peninsula. So it got a little bit more complicated, but basically you can go there by car. But uh, you can't go there by train now. You can't go there by train now, right? Wait, because you. uh, the Ukraine closed uh, the railroad that uh, yes. through its uh, state. And it's so you know it's it's so funny because you see when uh, when we meet people from uh, Ukraine somewhere in the in the um, other country, it's just uh, we are like we are the same. We speak almost the same language. We have the same values. Uh, and you see, when I when I was in Germany and I had a friend from Ukraine, we didn't feel much different. You see, we it's just a, it's just a propaganda. Yeah. <laughs> Well, okay, so about the other point here. Do you feel that Russia influenced our elections in 2016 with Trump becoming president? Um, so I can't say that I feel <laughs> anything. Uh, but uh, due to the information I've got through different sources, I think it might happen, but I can't say for sure. So um, it's very it's complicated again as uh, all the politic uh, political questions are. Well, well, I, there's two different things. One, did they try to uh, influence the elections, and the other is, did they actually influence the elections? Oh, it's a difficult question. We don't well, know. I, I don't think that it is actually possible to make it uh, to happen. To make great influence from outside, from outside uh -huh. yeah. uh, if the yeah. election is really fair, mm -hmm. so if they don't just add 100% to some party. Um, so I think it's kind of that. Uh, Michael, what did you have to say about that? Um, I agree that it's uh, too hard to influence the elections from outside, but uh, uh, I believe our government could try to do it. I, I don't know the real uh, whether whether we'll they have know. real uh, well, possibilities. Well, you say no. Well, see, I think so too. I think it's really impossible to say, but I think it's extremely unlikely extremely that hard. that it had any effect if if they did. But one thing that has happened recently, and I mentioned this when we were talking is that recently certain people who were former intelligence agency participants, in other words, they were part of the various intelligence agencies, did extensive research on the main body of stuff that, uh, that came out from the Democratic National Committee, which was basically saying that, that they were manipulating the elections by giving a lot of favoritism, Ill illegal favoritism towards Hillary Clinton over Bernie Sanders. That's what it was about. These leaked, that, that was the big controversy. Well, the Democratic Party is now particularly try, had tried to say that this stuff was uh, basically hacked by the Russians and given to someone. Well, the other story is that there's a, there's a person named Seth Rich who worked for them, who was murdered very suspiciously, and who is possible, some people and many people believe, gave that information to WikiLeaks. But WikiLeaks has been accused of being a Russian agent, this sort of thing. And uh, right now, there's new research that says that may be impossible that it was, it was actually hacked, but rather that it was downloaded because of the timing involved at the, when this information sort of 
was, was removed from the DNC. And so therefore, it had to be done locally by the, someone in the DNC. That's the latest uh, research. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's just what a lot of people have thought all along. And meanwhile, you have Congress actually creating sanctions against Russia without even these in, some of these investigations that were ongoing having been uh, finished. Because there are investigations into you know the Ru- Russian situation with the elections and also collusion between the Trump administration and the and the and the Russians. So it's it's really the problem is is exactly what you guys have said. Who knows? Because mm-hmm. when you have people anonymously saying things are true from intelligence agencies and they don't bring up any specific information and we can't judge it, and of course you have to be technical to be able to make a judgment on it anyway, and yet it could also be forged, you have a problem, right? How can we know? And it gets much more confusing when you bring in, there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, an, uh, there's a, uh, a legal case being made against the Democratic Democratic National uh, Committee because of what they did with Bernie Sanders. It's an ongoing thing. During this time, approximately five people connected with this particular investigation have died. Mm -hmm. And definitely Seth Rich, who was one of them, possibly one of them, was murdered. There's no doubt about it. He was shot in the back. And uh, so you you have some real serious things going on here. Uh, And I, I don't really think that we should be judging things until we know. And and the American people, this situation with tensions with Russia is a very bad idea. Yeah, 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 you know, I personally felt it myself because I couldn't couldn't, uh, work for an American firm from Crimea because Crimea is under sanctions and uh, I don't see the point. Why couldn't couldn't I just uh, work for a firm as I was doing back at home? Uh, it was wrong, and I didn't understand why it was happening to normal, to regular. Well, there, there are people in this country that look to me like they want problems with Russia on purpose. They want to use Russia as a... Uh, they, they, they think that by being antagonistic to Russia, that's going to somehow help Perhaps certain companies that want to make 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 make, uh, weapons and uh, and, you know it's like very very this type of thinking which which many people believe but not everybody obviously where where you're basically having these wars to to make money for certain companies it ain't a great idea it's it's very Uh dangerous to the world when the world could actually be a, a nuclear exchange between. Russia and the United States could result not only in the destruction of our, all of our peoples, but it could also create a nuclear winter that could destroy this planet. Oh, do you believe it will, it will happen again? I mean, not again. I mean, it's not no. going to happen. I don't believe that it's going to happen because uh, people are, you see, you have already had a crisis like that uh, back when uh, your president was... The, the, the Cuban Missile Crisis, yes, but we're not just talking about we're not just talking about a deliberate we send missiles or you send missiles first and the other retaliates. We're talking about possibility of accidents. There's all kind accidents have actually happened, and fortunately they were averted. It is the 15th century. El Tesoro de Cielo, a Spanish treasure ship, sends a scouting expedition to a strange island. Golden statues surrounding them prove the enormity of their find. 
Suddenly, hordes of ghoulish creatures with scaly green flesh and skeletal wings descend upon them from the sky. What do you think of this, Rufio? These creatures are fragile, Captain. We can take them with our swords. They seem supernatural. Who knows what powers they possess? Fallen angels weakened by their treason. By God! Are you saying they're Nephilim, the devil's host? I'm saying whatever they are, we can take them. Do any of you cowards dare join me? Up against sharp knife-like nails and hideous fangs, the men's swords rip into slimy green flesh. Though black blood pours copiously from their half-naked bodies, creatures miraculously persist. Can the crew survive this bloody, cursed battle? Find out more by googling The Thrice Born, a new sci-fi supernatural novel by Carlos Lopez Avery and Johnny Blue Star. Google with the words Carlos Johnny Kendall, The Thrice Born. That's Carlos Johnny Kendall, The Thrice Born. What I wanted to talk about now is just what about the philosophy of mutually assured destruction? Does it make sense to build these weapons and, and say that if you destroy us, we'll destroy you? Or should we just get rid of them? Of course, we should just get rid of them. What do you think? Guys? In case of we did both, so uh, the both parties did, because... And um, it uh, honestly. And it honestly. And uh, actually, I don't believe that it will be done. Mm-hmm. And it will be done honestly. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead, Michael. I'm sorry. Uh, I think it's quite uh, very little possibility that uh, this should ha- this will happen in the nearest future because uh, now it's quite very confronting relations yeah. between our countries. Yeah, well, I I certainly agree with that. But you know, these terrible things happened in Japan when we dropped those weapons. The, ja- the Japanese didn't even want to have a military. I mean, they didn't want to. They didn't want to deal with war anymore because it was so horrible it, what happened to them. And you know, they've been non-nuclear. Now, now they're facing nuclear attack. So uh, it's just that because I'm older than you, I, I not only remember the, the, the Cuban Missile Crisis. I remember in the 50s how people there were lots of anti-nuclear protests. People were very much against it. But then things kind of settled down after the Cuban Missile Crisis and people just thought, oh, nothing can happen. The problem is, is that why are we spending all this money, all this time and all this energy on a possibility that is so dangerous that the whole planet could be destroyed and certainly our populations? Why do we do this? And that's my question, is why is it being done? 
Okay, I, I agree with Michael that it's not going to be easy to do anything about it now. But, <laughs> but why has it been? Why was it done in the first place? Isn't it ridiculous? Yeah, I'm sure it is. But you couldn't put uh, your mind in someone's head. You couldn't. You couldn't uh, tell the president of any country what to do. Yeah, in our in our case, the Manhattan Project, which started this whole thing, was completely secret. Nobody knew, general population, that there was going to be an, uh, these weapons were going to be exploded, and uh, it was done in secret. And later on, after this terrible thing happened, I think it was terrible because it set a precedent for genocide, for killing millions of innocent people. And there were people, even Americans, who were killed there. And there were definitely Koreans killed there because the Japanese took Koreans, which they were occupying, and sent them to Japan. They worked sort of like, sort of like slave labor, uh, something like that. And I think like something like 20% of the population of Hiroshima that died were, were, were Korean. And so um, you have these things that starts, and then soon, not right afterwards, you know, a few years afterwards, they're working on an H-bomb. Why, they're not satisfied with that? They've got to have things that are 5, 10, 20 times, 30 times as powerful, where you can destroy not only a city, and then you have multiple, multiple warheads on a, on a missile. What is this uh, enthusiasm for? I know it costs a lot of money to make, and people are making a lot of money, but it seems to me, oh, my God, how, how can people be so dumb? So anyway, that's my ego. The ego. ego. Exactly. The egos of all those people who work for the intelligent services, they are obsessed with the idea of power, you see. I think it's not, uh, there is not, is the problem of uh, those propaganda media is that they try to blame on our president, but... You cannot you cannot blame on one person. You see, uh, yes. responsibility. Yes, you see. I think there is the whole system, uh, both sides of the ocean. So, uh, if you want to change something, uh, you know, the whole system should be changed, not just one president or you know one you know candidate for for a president. That's a, that's absolutely true. We're talking about something that pre-existed before Putin or Trump or Obama, mm -hmm. something that has been around for a long, long time. And uh, that's why when I try to think about, like, why did they do this? Yes, of course it's ego. If you look at ego as something separating you from your true spirit, your true nature, then, uh, then and you're separate. In other words, you don't have the normal sense of loving people, people mm -hmm. you don't know maybe, but still are just ordinary people having nothing to do with any problems between different countries. And you want to just destroy them, their families, their children, their relatives. How can you... Mm -hmm. It's just hard for me to grasp because I just wasn't born with that perception of people that I could, I could want to do something like this. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's... You know, I have really enjoyed this conversation. It's been uh, really kind of incredible. So, uh, did thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. You're, you're quite welcome, and I hope we can maybe do this again. If you think of things that you'd like to talk about, let me know. And, okay, uh, we will. Thank you very it. much, and Thanks. cheers to all you American guys. We are not evil. We are not bad. We are just ordinary people. <laughs> well, thank you for coming to Threshold. We have uh, been talking with. Michael and Zena and uh, Julia, and uh, we have gotten, I think, some kind of real idea of what it's like to 
to live in Russia and to think about, you know, go about one's daily activities, the normal thing, and to, to uh, perceive what's going on out in the larger world, how, however much we can know. So thank you so much. This is Johnny Blue Star, CEO of New Galaxy Enterprises, a media content development company. Threshold Radio is owned by New Galaxy Enterprises, a full-service media content development company. Sponsors not only get ads on the program, but are offered packages including website design, graphics, audio, video, music, and jingles. Programs are archived and continue to be promoted beyond their first broadcast. To learn more about New Galaxy, see samples of our work, or talk to us about your project, please go to www.NewGalaxyEnterprises.com and fill out the contact form. This is Johnny Blue Star. We all live very closely or within ourselves to an immense journey of self-discovery and adventure. For humanity, both the wide expanse of stars and the infinitely wider space within ourselves beckon us to make that leap forward. Thank you for making Threshold Radio part of your journey. Be well and keep cosmic.